Welcome to Real Money Talks. Real strategies from the money makers and the world changers that you can use to make millions, keep those millions, multiply your wealth, and build your team. Here's your host, author of five New York Times bestsellers, money expert on Dr. Phil, CNN, CNBC, The Street TV, Fox News, and The View, Laurel Langmire. Hi, this is Laurel. Welcome back to Laurel's Real Money Talks, a podcast where we talk about becoming a millionaire, which includes how to make money, how to keep money, how to invest money, how to do it with the team, and any conversation in between. Today, I have Michelle Tucker with me, actually a partner of Sharon Lecter's on her Exit Rich book. So as you all know, Sharon is my financial mom, right? I'm a financial daughter. That's what we call each other. And I'm super excited to talk about this because so many of you, it's all about the entrance into the business. You're not thinking about exiting. And even if all you're doing right now is you're leaving because of COVID and employment to a business, you need to start thinking, you know, what are your potential exit strategies? And uh, Michelle and I are going to get into that, but let me introduce her properly. Michelle Seiler Tucker is the founder and CEO of Seiler Tucker Incorporated. She holds the M-N-A-M-I, Mergers and Acquisitions Master's Intermediary. That's brilliant. I can't even wait to know what that is. Title, certified as a mergers and acquisitions professional. Many of you in our community are going to use her. And certified senior business analyst. Again, another reason why many of you are going to use her. She owns many other businesses in several different industries. A 20-year veteran in the M&A industry, mergers and acquisitions, for those of you who don't know what that is. Uh, regarded as a leading authority on buying, selling, fixing, and growing businesses, which many of you know I love. Her and her firm have sold over a 1,000 businesses in almost every vertical and have a remarkable track record of success. So, Michelle, welcome. Thank you. Thank you, Laurel. Thanks for having me. I'm excited that you're here. Um, In fact, you and I have said this many times along our journey of meeting each other that we actually need to do business. So, I'm excited you're on our podcast today. Again, we're in a worldwide podcast. This is not just U.S.-centric. But I'm going to just preface it and say, and I want you to just, you know, put any qualifiers around it. In principle, it's the same, right? So a lot of people will say, well, should I get an LLC or S Corp? Those are US centric. I said, those are the names. In principle, anywhere in the world, you can own a corporation and have the deductions and in principle. So would that be fair to say in the MA world, in principle? A thousand percent. I've been on a lot of podcasts in Australia and Thailand, I mean, South Africa, all over the world. And really, a lot of the businesses are the same. (laughs) Business practices are the same. We're selling businesses from the UK right now. I love that. Tell us about the different types of businesses and why it's important to know about the types of businesses when you enter. And again, I just want to frame this for all of you. Sometimes you hear exit and you start tuning out. Do not tune out. There are so many things that even if you don't know where your exit is, that the strategies Michelle's going to talk about are so critical to just your day-to-day decision-making. So we'll start with some of the differences, Michelle. And, well, I, I agree a thousand percent on what you just said, because it's so important not to tune out because people do tune out when they hear exit. Right. And the reason I don't want y'all to tune out is because Steve Forbes says 80% of businesses will not sell. Steve Forbes endorsed Exit Rich. He says... Eight out of 10 companies do not sell. So this is a huge problem, especially in the United States, but it's a really big problem all over the world. So you really shouldn't be tuning out. There are different types of businesses. Most of the businesses that try to sell are the ones that I call them a one-woman show or a one-man show. Those are their service-type businesses where you have a dentist, 
you know, no other dentists, you have a chiropractor, no other chiropractors, you have a plumber, no other plumbers. Those type of businesses are very difficult to sell because the business is a thousand percent dependent upon the owner. Yeah. You pull the, the owner out of the business, there is no business. You know, there's absentee businesses, but those don't really exist anymore. <laughs> and then there's middle market businesses. We really specialize more in middle market. So describe the middle market to those that are listening. Sure. So, you know, you got your small businesses and those are typically like coffee shops, ice cream stores, pizzerias, things of that nature. And then you kind of move up to where you have maybe 10 to 50 employees and maybe they're doing, you know, two million, three million, four million, five million dollars in gross revenues. And then you move up to maybe 30, 40, 50 to 100 employees and they could be doing anywhere from 10 to 20 million in gross. Then you can move up to, and I still call this middle market, where they're doing maybe 50 to $100 million in gross, and it can have maybe 300 to 500 employees. And that's typically in the space uh, that we do business. But you know, you really have to know what type of business you own. Is it a small mom and pop? Is the business a thousand percent dependent on upon, dependent upon you? Do you have a few employees, but the business still won't run without you? Are you an interior decorator and you leave, <laughs> the business leaves, you know? You really got to figure out what type of business you have. And then you really need to build the business on what we call all six P's, all six cylinders. But before we even go there, we really like to change the mindset of business owners, Laurel, because the number one reason that businesses don't sell is because business owners never think about selling and never plan or exit strategy until internal or external catastrophic event occurs. And that could be like health issues, partner disputes, divorce, death, or external is this pandemic that we're in. And selling in a catastrophe is the worst thing you can do. Oh, I said, uh, I know. I mean, and, and yeah. so many people, because of the pandemic, just laid down their companies and they didn't need to. You know, they had some assets. They could at least some, some sort of a sell-off. Right. And, and that's what's happening. You know, they're selling for pennies on the dollar or closing their business. But you're right. Yeah. Look, there's five different types of buyers. They could sell to turnaround specialists. Turnaround specialists are buying distressed assets right now like crazy. So... You shouldn't ever close your doors and try to avoid bankruptcy at all costs, but you really need to sell when you're in your prime and try not to sell during a catastrophic event. That's why we take our clients through what we call the STGPS exit model in our book, Exit Rich. All right. We're going to get to that in a moment. Before we get there, talk about some of those biggest mistakes that they make. Well, the biggest mistake is business owners not planning their exit. Not yeah. even thinking about selling their business. They think of their business as their baby versus the most valuable asset it is. Your business is not your baby. Your babies are at home. Go home, love them, kiss them, hug them. <laughs> your business is your asset and you need to treat it as such. As far as the biggest mistakes that business owners make, number one is, is business owners are working in their business instead of on their business. Mm-hmm. And that's huge. And I can kind of take you through the biggest mistakes business owners make and take you through the six P's at the same time. Yeah. Let's do that. Okay, great. So number one is people. And one of the biggest mistakes business owners make is they think that they have to control everything. You will never grow unless you let go of the control. You have to focus on your strengths, hire your weaknesses on your business, not in it, and put the right people in the right seat. And I always call it the who question, Laurel. Like who opens the door? Who handles customer service, marketing, legal, accounting? You know, who handles quality control, manufacturing, environmental, et cetera? The clue is that you should never be next to the who. Because <laughs> we really are trying to build a business to run without you. I had a dentist that came to me. He's been in business 50 years. One dentist, three dental hygienists. 
Oh he God. wants to sell. And I said, look, I can sell your business. By the way, his dental hygienist or his daughters. And I said, yes, I can sell your business, but we can't maximize value. And you and your daughters have to stay for two to three years. The purchase price will be contingent upon that. He goes, well, honey, we're not staying. I said, well, then, honey, you're not selling. Because <laughs> the minute you leave, your, your patients leave. So you really, you don't build a business. You build people and people build the business. Another mistake that business owners make is um, when I wrote my very first book in 2013 called Sell Your Business for More Than It's Worth, I did the research and learned that 95% of all startups would fail. We all know that. You know that. We all know that. But when I did the research for Exit Rich in 2019, I did the exact same research and was flabbergasted to find out that the business landscape has actually flip-flopped. Now it's only 30% of startups will fail. But out of 27.6 million companies, those businesses that have been in business for 10 years or longer, Laurel, 70% of them will go out of business. 70%. So you see how it's flip-flopped. It used to be, gosh, if you're in business for 5, 10 years, you're in business forever. That's not the case. You hear about the big public companies all the time, like Toys R Us in business 75 years goes out of business. Kmart, Steinmart, Pier 1, Godiva, Disney stores. But the media doesn't tell us about the private businesses on every street corner, in every town, in every state, these business owners are exiting poor. They're selling for pennies on a dollar, closing their business, or even worse, filing bankruptcy. And the reason for that is because the other mistake that they make is they stop doing what I call AIM. AIM, A-I-M, always innovate and market. Yeah, I love that. Yep. They stop innovating and they stop marketing. The second P is product. So product is your product, your service, or your industry. You have to ask yourself, is your industry, your product, your service on the way up or on the way out? Is it thriving or dying? Do you have an Amazon? If you have an Amazon, Laurel, we need to sell because <laughs> you need to sell on your prime. If you have a blockbuster, then that doesn't mean you just pack up and go out of business. You need to ask yourself three transformational questions. I always tell my clients, you know, ask yourselves this. Amazon did this back in the 90s. Ask yourself, what business are you in? Yeah. Amazon did that in the 90s. They're like, what business are we in? And they said, oh, we're in a book fulfillment business. And then ask yourself, what's your core competencies? What's your USP? What do you do better than everyone else? And Amazon said, we do book fulfillment better than everyone else. And then the obvious question is, what business should we be in? Right. And Amazon says, we should be in a fulfillment business, fulfilling products for everyone, you know, all around the world. So those three transformational questions transformed Amazon from a small book fulfillment center to a multi-billion dollar worldwide conglomerate that they are today. So that's product. Okay. And then the third P is processes. And you know, as well as I do, a lot of business owners mess up in processes <laughs> because we usually don't you know, think about processes until something bad happens. Yeah. I'll give you an example. We're selling a manufacturing company for a million. An employee gets hurt on a manufacturing floor, loses a limb. Lawsuits are coming down. My client's going to bankruptcy court. I get approved as a stocking horse to sell them in bankruptcy court. And my client says to me, Michelle, we need a policy for health and safety on a manufacturing floor. And I'm like, you think? <laughs> I think you needed that before all of this. Yeah, that's called OSHA, right? It's called OSHA. That's right. So anyway, and I think this is where most business owners get this wrong. A lot of business owners design their processes around their own agenda especially if it's a lifestyle business, instead of designing the processes around the customer experience. So we got to ask ourselves, what do we want our customers to experience? If we don't create wow experiences for our clients, then somebody else will be happy to do it. 
instead. Mm-hmm. And, you know, McDonald's did this back in the 50s. If you, did you watch the movie The Founder? No, I haven't. Oh, my gosh. It's like the best movie ever. It's based upon the McDonald's brothers and Ray Kroc, who basically took McDonald's brother, McDonald's and blew it up. But anyway, back in the 1950s, McDonald's said, we want to start a fast food restaurant with a fast food system. We want to design the processes around the customer experience. We want the customers to experience great tasting food that's hot and fast, 30 seconds or less. And that was designed in 1950. You can eat at McDonald's anywhere in the world and get the same experience. So we really need to design our processes around the customer experience. They need to be productive, efficient, obviously well-documented policy. I mean, we're selling a $70 million company right now, and they don't have policy and procedure manuals. (laughs) So we're having to go back and help them put together a policy and procedure manuals. But that's another big mistake that business owners make. Yep. All right. So you have people, product, processes. What are the next three? So the fourth one is proprietary, which is the number one value driver. So I'll just give give you a crash course on on evaluations. So businesses that have under a million dollars in EBITDA, earnings before interest, taxes, depreciation, amortization, will typically trade for anywhere from one to three, three and a half times EBITDA. Unless it's a SaaS business. SaaS is the only industry that gets a multiple of revenues. If the business has over a million dollars in EBITDA, then that's where we create a bidding war because there's so many more buyers for higher EBITDA businesses. Mm-hmm. The, it starts at around five and up. Proprietary asset synergies can take you from a five to six to an eight to 10 multiple very quickly. So this is like the highest value driver um, so proprietary, there's six pillars to it. Number one is branding. The more well-branded you are, the more we can sell your company for as long as your brand is relevant in the mind of the consumers. I mean, nobody's paying any money for Blockbuster. And the most valuable brand in the world is, you know, Apple. Oh, really? $359 billion just for the brand. So that's not including the cash flow, inventory assets, anything else. So we really work with our clients to build their brand. And then trademarks are huge. Trademark your company name, your slogan, your podcast. The biggest mistake the business owners make with trademarks is they go get a state trademark, but they never check the federal database. Mm, yeah. And so I've had clients be in business for 5, 10, 15, 20 years, all of a sudden receive a cease and desist letter and they have to stop using that company name. Yep. Seen that a lot. And that's a huge mistake. What else is inside the valuation? Obviously, as you know, I have like, I mean, you have speech, like I have five New York Times bestsellers, right? Very well branded, millionaire maker. So speak to also to the proprietary, in addition to marks, I'm assuming you're looking at uh, all the intellectual property. Yep. So the trademarks and not just trademarks of names, trademarks of products too, Laurel. Like we have a company that's got 12 different products. Each one has a federal trademark. Each one has exclusivity to Walmart. One's in Walmart, one's in Target, one's in Michael's. That's huge. Patents are big. Yeah. We sold a company for $18 million that was losing money, but they had 18 patents. And we'll get the content in a minute, but also contracts, manufacturing contracts, distribution contracts, franchise or you know, vendor contracts, any type of exclusive, especially client contracts with membership models. Anything that has subscription models with reoccurring revenue. But here's a big mistake with contracts. Business owners don't put the two-sentence transferability clause. That this contract is transferable upon a new entity. Mm -hmm. And the problem is 98% of all sales are asset sales. So the buyer doesn't agree to a stock sale. And let's say you have 5,000 clients on subscription model. Are you going to go to all 5,000 to get them to sign a consent to transfer? (laughs) 
right? So we must be proactive and put that transferability clause in there. And then databases are big. Um, I know you have a big database, Laurel. Yeah. Databases are huge, especially if they're being nurtured and they can be repurposed and retargeted. Facebook paid $19 billion for WhatsApp and WhatsApp was hemorrhaging money, but they had a billion users. So they had that synergy. Yeah. Um, and then content is king. I mean, books, we're selling an educational company right now that's got tons and tons and tons of content. They've got books. They help other people write books. And that intellectual property is huge. So evaluations are more of an art rather than a science because what we have to do is figure out, okay, the synergies, what is a buyer willing to pay for those certain synergies? Because buyers, there's five different types of buyers. Strategists and competitors will pay a lot more money for these type of synergies because it will help catapult their current business to the next level. I love it. What's number five? And then number five is patrons. That's your customer base. The biggest mistake the business owners make is customer concentration. We're selling a business right now, like I said, for $70 million. They have one customer. 70% of the revenue is tied up in one customer. Rough. Now, we're still going to sell it because we know how to sell it, <laughs> but it's not, it's not easy. So if they lose that one customer, they lose 70% of the revenue. Yeah. And then profits, obviously, you're the queen of profits. <laughs> so I always say lack of profits is never the problem. It's always the symptom up. Clients come to me all the time and say, Michelle, I have a profit problem. I'm like, no, you have a people problem. No, you have a process problem. And you know that too. I mean, profits are a symptom of, they are never the problem. So again, those of you that are watching people, products, processes, proprietary information, your patrons and your profits. Michelle, I do not want to, our podcast is so quick. I'll have to have you back, but I want to talk about the five kind of buyers. Okay. Those. So those of you that are out there really... And again, you don't have to decide you're going to exit rich. This book is for like right now. I would put this book straight up. You know, those of you who want to be you know, millionaires, I would put this up because I don't care if you're in real estate, what kind of business you're in. Just the thinking through these six P's are critical. And then just being aware that I may have a buyer and who are they? So let's go there. Yep. So there's five different types of buyers and it really depends upon the GPS exit. And um, I tell you what. Can I take you through the GPS X and tell you about the five types of buyers at the same yeah, time? Absolutely. Right, that's perfect. perfect. So, that's <laughs> thank you. Remember, one of the biggest problems is business owners don't plan their exit. So, mm-hmm. when we want to drive somewhere, what do we do, Laurel? We pull out our phone, we go to Google Map, and what do we plug in? At whatever address or wherever we're going. That's right. We plug in our address, we plug in the destination. If we don't plug in the destination, we don't go anywhere. And that's the problem with business owners. They don't plan to fail, they fail to plan. So, they don't have a destination. So business owners really have to think about their destination, Laurel. Like Stephen Covey says, start with the end of mind. What is your destination? What is your desired sales price? What do you want to sell your business for one day? And like Laurel said, it could be 15 years from now. It could be 20 years from now. Pick a number. Let's say you want to sell your business for $10 million. Boom, we got a number. Yep. You can always change it along the way. Now it's a destination. And what does the GPS model need to know next? It needs to know where you're starting from. What yeah. is your current evaluation? And Laurel, I don't know if you know this, but most business owners have never had their business evaluated. I would agree with that. Which is insane because we go to the doctor once a year to get an annual checkup. <laughs> we take a car to the shop once a year to get an annual tune-up. But our most valuable asset, which is our business, which Sharon Lecter says assets are sexy, our business is our most valuable asset and we don't get an annual valuation checkup. That's financial suicide. 
Yeah. We need to know what our business is worth every year because our events to increase valuation or events to decrease valuation. Love so that. we Love. always need to know we need a, an annual valuation checkup. And I don't suggest going to CPA for that. I suggest going to a merchants and acquisitions expert for that because they know how to evaluate synergies. And so let's say you want to sell for 10 million as your destination. Let's say you work for 2 million today. Let's say your, your time frame is 10 years. The next thing you need to know is who are my buyers going to be? And notice I said buyers and not buyer because clients come to me all the time and say, Michelle, I have a buyer just represent me with this one buyer. And I'll always say, no, I won't do it. And they're like, why not? And I'm like, because it's a lot of work for one buyer. We have to do evaluation. We have to fix your business. We have to get operating on all six P's. We have to take all your data, stick it into a data room, set up due diligence. And I can guarantee you the likelihood of that buyer closing on the sale of your business is slim to none. Yep. You never want to put your eggs in one buyer's basket. You have to have backup buyers. Yep. Plus, how do we maximize value and create competition with a party of one? So the five types of buyers. You're trying to sell your business for $10 million. You're not going to sell it to 90% of the buyers. 90% of the buyers are first-time buyers. They buy coffee shops, ice cream stores, smoothies, you know, yeah. small businesses under a million dollars. The second type of business is turnaround specialists. They buy distressed assets. They don't buy multi-million dollar companies. The third type of buyer is PEGs. These are private equity groups. They buy based on two ways, platforms. So yeah. let's say they want a platform in manufacturing, food manufacturing. Yeah. They won't even look at your company unless you have at least $3 million in EBITDA and above. So let's say that you have a seasoning business and they already have a platform. Then they'll look at add-ons for under a million dollars in EBITDA. Mm-hmm. Third type of buyer strategic slash competitors. They typically will pay the highest multiple because they are paying for synergies. They're yeah. buying synergies that are going to catapult their business to the next level such as contracts, such as database. I once had a strategic buyer pay 126% more than asking price. The business was appraised for $9.8 million. It was an oil manufacturing company. They had concentration. 65% of the revenue was tied up in the BP contract. Mm. They were strategic. I had 550 buyers, 12 LOIs. All of my LOIs had contingencies in there about if you lose the BP contract, you lose this. And my seller is like, I'm not doing that. So I found a strategic and my strategic said, I don't care if they lose it. We've been trying to get into BP for decades and can't get in the door. We want in. So they said, well, I'll bet everybody else. They paid $15 million for 70% of the business. That was appraised for $9.8 million for 100%. So that's 126% more than what the business appraised for. Brilliant. Well done. So that's synergies. And plus, Laurel, they also, not only do they pay more for synergies, but they take advantage of economies of scale, which will decrease operating costs. Plus, they look at the infrastructure. Like we're selling a manufacturing company right now that has a $5 million distribution center. We have a buyer, a manufacturing buyer that has distribution all over the US. First thing they're going to do is cut that $5 million distribution center and increase EBITDA from day one. So that's why strategists and competitors are most of the time the best buyers. And then the fifth type of buyer is a sophisticated entrepreneur that chases cash flow, that chases EBITDA. That's awesome. So tell us a little bit about Exit Rich. It's launching uh, as we speak, right? It's a June launch. Uh, It is. It's launching June 22nd. Yep, June 22nd, endorsed by Steve Forbes, who said, 
Exit Rich is a goldmine for entrepreneurs as they leave way too much money on the table when they sell their business. Obviously, Sharon Elector, who is your financial mom and my co-author, you know, she wrote Rich Dad Poor Dad with Robert Kiyosaki, a five times New York Times bestselling author. We tr- we're trying to make her number six. <laughs> <laughs> and um, she's a CPA, a financial literacy expert. And she actually writes the Mentors Corner after each one of the chapters. And then Kevin Harrington endorsed Exit Rich. He was the original shark on Shark Tank. But your listeners don't have to wait, Laurel, to buy Exit Rich. Um, they can go to, well, ExitRichBook.com or they can go to Laurel Langmire. So like, the, the link to go to buy the book right now, uh, so you don't have to wait, is AskLaurel.com forward slash Exit Rich. So you'll go there, you'll buy the book, and then I'm actually going to give you a bonus of one of my five New York Times. So uh, you can kind of pick a book. So it'll be staged. You can buy their book, get one of mine as a bonus book, and uh, you'll get that at askworld.com forward slash exit rich. So when they buy the book, I always like this uh, with a new, uh, with an author with a new book. What's the first thing? I mean, obviously read the whole thing, but if you could like pick a chapter, pick a favorite, the minute they get the book, what would you guide them to do? Can I tell you real quick everything that they get with the book? Because first and foremost, when I go to Ask Laurel, forward slash exit rich, right? Yep. And so we're giving tremendous value, Laurel, to anyone who buys the book before June 22nd. So first and foremost, we'll email them the digital download so they can start reading Exit Rich today. We'll ship the hardcover to their doorstep to anyone that lives inside the United States for no additional shipping cost. We'll give them a lifetime membership into the Exit Rich Book Club where there's video content where we take deep dives in different strategies and techniques that I've been teaching over the last 20 years in mergers and acquisitions, plus documents, documents to operate your business, documents to sell your business. We have sample employee handbooks, sample org charts, policy and procedure manuals to sell your business, sample letter of intents due diligence checklists, purchase agreements, and closing docs. All these documents would cost thousands upon thousands of dollars if you want an attorney to recreate. And so all of that is there for the review and their download. And yes, you can use a template. You just have to remove my company name. (laughs) And then we're giving them a 30-day free membership in a club CEOs. Love that. What a huge value. I so appreciate that. So, and I can promise you just the legal work is probably what $30,000 worth of, you know, initial legal work and everything you just mentioned. Probably yeah. more than that, because just a closing alone is about thirty dollars to $40,000 for the paperwork. <laughs> and we're giving you all the paperwork for the, cl- for selling your business, plus all the paperwork that you need to operate your company. So yeah, it's a lot. It is a lot. Huge value. And again, all of you listening also go viral, share this, share askworld.com forward slash exit rich, you'll get one of my bonus books and the value of, I mean, I'm just going to say the contracts alone. That was like highly impressive, but I love the book club. And I love when people can actually collaborate and have conversations around what they're reading in their next step. So Michelle, uh, unfortunately, we are at a breaking point. What would you uh, kind of parting words for those of you uh, that are listening uh, into our podcast today? I always tell my clients that you don't have to do this alone. There are great entrepreneurs. You know, your network equals your net worth. <laughs> you want to be successful. You know, it's all about relationship capital and find yourself an expert, find yourself a mentor, but not just any mentor, somebody who's been down the road. Do you want to travel? Learn from their mistakes because they will shorten your learning curve dramatically. They will shorten your path to success dramatically. Awesome. Michelle, it's great to see you. Uh, Good luck with your book. I'm super excited. Uh, Those of you that have been watching my podcast on a regular basis, 
Sharon Lecter has already gone and talked about Exa Rich from her perspective. Now you have Michelle. We will be putting them side by side so you can have both of the brilliant authors in the Exit Rich and our you know, process of continuing to educate you. How do you become a millionaire? And uh, you're going to hear more on Lowell's Rule Money Talks on future episodes. We come out once a week. Uh, download the app from any app store and uh, stay tuned for the next episode. Again, all of your questions could be answered at asklaw.com, where you can actually put in your information, make a request, ask a question, and we answer them every week. Talk to you soon. Thank you. And thank you, Michelle, for being here today. Thank you, Laurel. Thank you for having me. Take care. Thanks for listening to the Real Money Talks podcast. Your host has been Laurel Langmire, author of five New York Times bestsellers, money expert on Dr. Phil, CNN, CNBC, The Street TV, Fox News, and The View. Want to learn more about off-Wall Street investing, tax strategies, and multi-million dollar business strategies? Visit liveoutloud.com slash podcast for past episodes, show notes, and resources. For some special wealth building gifts only for Laurel's podcast listeners, visit liveoutloud.com slash podcast gifts. Do you have a burning question for Laurel? Visit asklaurel.com to submit your question, and it may just be covered on a podcast episode. So stay tuned and be sure to subscribe to get new episodes every week. Oh, 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 oh,